Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Wrestling, a wrestling podcast. I am your host for the evening, Mark, and we are just outside the end of AEW's newest pay-per-view, Wrestle Dream. And I gotta tell you, Tony Khan put out another amazing pay-per-view. The end of this pay-per-view had me literally up, running around, screaming at more than one once. I mean, the closest thing I can think of this was when Adam Cole and Brian Danielson debuted. The ending was awesome. We'll get we'll get to the ending. We're gonna, we're going to jump right into AEW Wrestle Dream. I'm I'm, I'm just going to skip over Dynamite and Rampage Collision. I mean, we all know what happened. MJF argued with Jay White. I'll, I'll talk on that real quick. MJF ended up arguing with uh, with Jay White, have a little promo in between, and then towards the end of Dynamite, we saw four hooded masked individuals attacking Jay White backstage, one of them wearing MJF's demon mask. So that's, or devil mask, I'm sorry. So that's a really bit, really interesting bit of information or, or events that have happened on Dynamite. Uh, but besides that, everything was practically a the go-home shows to Wrestle Dream. They started off in fifth gear with MJF taking on the Righteous in a handicap match. And this was... It was great. They, they did they did a great job with MJF being able to be the face, but still having shades of heel for him to grab onto so that he can get the win. Ends up retaining the title or the titles for him and Adam Cole, which I'm sure Adam Cole will be super happy for. Was not at the pay per view, how whatsoever. Uh, the Kingdom had a match against Best Friends on I believe the Collision. And as soon as they won, they grabbed the microphone and said, hey, we got to go. We're, you know, six hours away from Roderick Strong. We're getting on a plane. We'll be there, Roddy. You know, I mean, they said, Adam Cole, if you've meant anything or if we've meant anything to you, you'll show up there. You'll be there when we get there. So presumably that's where Adam Cole was this evening. He also, you know, MJF did say he was injured, so he couldn't make it. Kind of makes sense if he wasn't there anyways, but you would think. He would be there in some capacity to support his tag team championship tag partner. And again, I think this is this is like leaning towards Adam Cole's just not that good of a guy. I think we've all given him maybe too too much credit. Maybe he's not really the face of I guess the company, whatever you want to call it, or this this lovable video game playing individual. Because man, I, I Roderick Strong's apparently his best friend and Apparently it's it's not good enough. But who knows? He might be there now. Who knows? I don't know. He might be you might be a bad friend, might be a bad tag partner. Uh either way, I think this is gonna play into MJF being MJF and having that I'm better than you and you know it. And I think even though he's gonna have a best friend in Adam Cole and say that he's his number two guy or number whatever you want to call it, his ride or die, his own his brother, I always think that MJF's gonna hold this over Adam Cole's head and like, oh, well, you know, we've even after like a year of them holding the belts, he's going to look at him and be like, yeah, well, you know, if I wouldn't have won by our by myself for these these titles, we wouldn't still be this. And I think that's going to play into the downfall between these two, because that's what it's all. It's inevitably this is what it's coming to. Right. Like, can we not agree that MJF or Adam Cole? I mean, I think Adam at this point, I think Adam Cole is going to turn heel. But at some point, one of them is going to turn on the other one. I mean, Adam Cole lost to MJF twice for the AEW World Championship and then had to be on a tag team with him and won 
a prize that he that Adam Cole has been striving to get his entire career, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. I, I can't see how this isn't going to play into the downfall of these two. And it's so good for I'm so I'm so ready for it. I love it. I think that every time MJF comes out and makes almost a mockery of being a face by being not just a scumbag, but our scumbag, it it makes my nipples hard. It's, it's so good. Now, I am going to go through all of these in match order. Some of them I'm not going to talk as much about because not that I don't want to talk about it. One or two of them I wasn't able to watch fully because I have other things I have to do in my my household while the pay-per-view is on. And with Jamie being on vacation, it's it's just me here. So I had to take care of a lot of things. So one or two matches I didn't really get to see. And unfortunately, the Eddie Kingston and Katsuyora Shibata ROH World and NJPW Strong Championship match was not one of the ones I was able to fully watch. Obviously, Eddie Kingston ended up retaining both belts. And I did see good portions of it. It was a hard-hitting match. I plan on going back and watching this tomorrow morning and giving it a better watch over. Um, this was one of the ones I was I was much more excited for. I was surprised it was so low on the, on the card, but I'm okay with that. Um, I've got my own issues with this card. I think that the women's championship should have been on this card. I don't know why they're putting it on a, on a Tuesday Dynamite, but hey, I'm going to shut up. We're not looking at the negatives here. Um, congratulations, Eddie, for defending his title. Uh, like I said, I'm excited to watch this tomorrow because I know, I know even before this match happened, I know this match was going to be a hard hitting match. Both these men were going to lay it all on the, ta- on the table. You've got Eddie Kingston, who's just become the, the, the ROH world champion and he's been the NJPW strong open weight champion. And then you've got Shibata, who is the ROH pure champion. And I mean, you just, it's so good. Such a good matchup. Can't wait to go back and see these two. And, of course, we had Chris Statlander defending her TBS championship against the House of Black's Julia Hart. Uh, this one I was really conflicted over when I did my predictions. I, actually, I don't even remember. I got to go back and look at my predictions. I to think about it and see how well I did. I know I did perfect. I got everything right. I know I did. But Chris Statlander and Julia Hart, I was really torn over pulling the trigger on who I thought was going to walk away from this. I, I know I picked Chris Statlander, and I know I picked right because you got to go with your girl. Um, but like I said, I, the entire match, there was a couple of false finishes and I really, there was a couple of times I was looking at Julia Hart going, oh yeah, this is it. This is, she's going to get the win. She's going to win this and she's going to be the TBS champion. And I think she would have done an amazing job being a TB uh, or I'm sorry, being a champion, but it wasn't her time. And that's okay. We, that means we just develop her more so that when she wins that or a belt, it's going to be even bigger than it would have been tonight. But glad to see Chris walks away with the belt again, see that championship reign continue on. She deserves this championship run, especially after injuring both knees, one right after the other. Although if you watch this match, you wouldn't have known that she ever injured her knees because both of these women put on a hell of a match. Chris Statlander, obviously a strength phenom when it comes to in-ring performance. And then you have Julia Hart, who is excelled tremendously in her in-ring talent. I mean, just her presentation alone is miles from when she first was on AEW Dark with the Varsity Blondes being this clean-cut cheerleader. It was, I think, when I first saw her, the first thing I thought of was like, oh, she's one of the, you know, not not anything special. I, I didn't think there was anything special about her. She was just kind of a run-of-the-mill new girl that was just getting run through the, you know, the process to get more experience. And I mean, that's really what she was. And then they had this, this little bit of an angle with the house of black where she got that spray in her eyes and it is developed 
into such a good character and it's done it so naturally and they AEW's been criticized so much about storytelling long time long-term storytelling and this was one of the best examples of them actually hunkering down and really getting behind their homegrown talent and putting some emphasis and putting some story and putting some reason for why they're the way they are on screen. And I think they've done an amazing job with her. I think that this is just a small backstep for her in on her way to get a championship. But even without winning tonight, Julia Hart looked great. And both of these women did an amazing job tonight. There was also a number one contendership match for the AEW World Tag Team Championships between the Young Bucks, Lucha Brothers, Orange Cassidy and Hook, and the Guns. I really thought that Orange Cassidy and Hook were going to walk away with this. I don't think we're done with this tag team. I really hope not because I'm really enjoying it. The backstage chip eating is one of my favorite segments on AEW. Um... I'm not even going to go into this match. Great match. They did all the spots you needed. The only criticism I had in this match was Ray Phoenix. Uh, we only about halfway through the match. He was favored his in or his shoulder, you know, made it look like he was really in a lot of pain. They dropped him out of the match and they brought him to the back. Supposedly after the pay-per-view, it's come out that it was a storyline injury that they were just reserving him for Wednesday night. I hope that's the case because it seems like every time Ray Phoenix is on a pay-per-view, especially when some type of championship is involved, i.e. when Luchasaurus put him through a table and completely destroyed his arm, he always gets injured. So I'm really hoping that it's just a storyline that it was just like, they, like I said, just to preserve him for his health on Wednesday night. Uh, if not, I hope he has a speedy recovery, but the young bucks walk away with the champion or I'm sorry, with the championship with the number one contendership match. Now they're also the ROH trios tag, uh, champions with hangman, Adam page. So interesting. there. like, could they be double dippers with belts, but only hangman's only got the one. It's an interesting dynamic plus FTR, uh, versus, uh, the young bucks. Spoilers. FTR wins later. Um, I mean, we've done it. I don't think we've done it right. I think another one might not be a bad idea. But who knows? Tony Khan's always got something up his sleeve. He might not even have FTR as the champions when the Young Bucks want their shot. So we'll see what happens. So as I'm sure a lot of you know, when you have a match on a pay-per-view that has no championship involved, that doesn't really have much of a like storyline involved, that doesn't have much of really anything other than just two guys or girls mad at each other and just want to fight call it a grudge match and if there was a definition of a grudge match it would be swerve strickland versus adam page i there's a couple times i was questioning whether this was more of adam page shooting on people or if this was a match because man some of this stuff looked painful some of the stuff swerve did some of the stuff uh, hangman did I mean, Swerve ended up twisting Hangman's arm back and then kicked it. And I think somebody clapped when it happened because it sounded like they were almost trying to superimposing a popping noise indicating like Hangman broke his arm. Uh, Fortunately, they didn't play into that. I think that was just circumstance uh, or it was somebody just making a noise. But man, these two in such a short amount of time from not speaking for however long. I don't remember last time these two even had a promo with each other to within a handful of weeks, having these guys have such a bitter, I don't even know, bitterness between the two of them. Swerve just came out like hangman's 
being a bitch and I'm calling him out for it. And it was kind of out of nowhere. I mean, I feel like with Swerve, they've they've done some things with him. They had him uh, feuding with Darby Allen and he had damn near murdered Nick Wayne. And they had to kind of back off on that when uh, A.R. Fox couldn't make it to London for all in. And, you know, with the Mogul Embassy, they had two of them. They had, uh, what was the name, Trench and somebody else. I can't remember who. Uh, Parker, he's ended up, he's hurt. But Trench ended up getting hurt and getting released. So you had to kind of back that off a little bit. It just feels like every time, and I've said this before, it feels like Swerve just gets in these rivalries and unfortunately comes into something completely out of his control. He gets screwed out of, out of the, the, the program. And I feel like this was finally one that he was able to come in full circle. I mean, he did it with Darby this last time. But the Seattle crowd, props to the Seattle crowd. Holy hell, did that crowd come. I almost said, did that crowd come? Holy crap, did that crowd. They killed it. They, from the minute. Now, the, the, the pre-show, the zero hour, it took them a minute to get kind of hyped up. I think when Daddy Ass and the Acclaim came in and defended their titles, uh, that was when the crowd really started to get moving. But as soon as the pay-per-view started at 8 p.m., Seattle did not sit down. They absolutely blew the roof off. And any anytime anybody, a home like a hometown guy was there, like Swerve, oh boy, you would have thought Hangman Adam Page came in and beat up everybody's mother in that place. They hated him. There were fuck Hangman chants. There were Hangman sucks chants. I mean, anything and everything. I mean, Swerve's... I'm pretty sure Swerve's supposed to be a heel, and Hangman's definitely supposed to be a face, but it didn't matter. The the Seattle crowd, they made this match 10 times more intense than what it already was. The, the, the amount of support they had for Swerve was phenomenal, and it one of the best matches of the night. All right, and that moves us on into Wheeler Yuta versus Ricky Starks. Again, another grudge match. Another just, I'm mad at you, you're mad at me, let's go fight and beat the hell out of each other, and these two definitely did that. Uh, Ricky Starks ended up getting the deserved win. I think it was smart doing this. Wheeler Yuna's kind of on a losing streak. Uh, by the way, John Moxley was on commentary for pretty much every BCC match. Amazing. It, it wasn't, wasn't like he had groundbreaking commentary. Just It was a great little bit of flavor to add to the commentary already. But unfortunately for Mox's stablemate, uh, Wheeler Yuta was not able to get the win. Ricky Starks hit him with a gnarly spear and a Rochambeau, gets the win. Awesome to see it. Love Ricky Starks. Love seeing him getting wins on pay-per-views. Want to see more of it. I just want to see more of it. Give me more Ricky Starks winning. Give me more Ricky Starks. Give me more Ethan Page. And definitely give me more Brian Danielson. I I said earlier, it might have been this last episode, the episode before. I don't know. They all melt together after a while. If Brian Danielson is on his final year of like full full time professional wrestling, and he's saying like something about going and going part time and picking like his last year, like picking all the right matches or the right people, what a great one to start that and this beginning beginning of the end. What a great way to start it. These two men, I don't think, got further than a foot and a half off of the mat the entire time. It was almost all technical ground wrestling, you know, violent strikes, you know, open hand chops, submission holds, reversals, awkward pins, uh, just 
one generation versus another generation, but both men would be able to stand toe-to-toe if they were both in the same same generation. If you had Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr., both of them at 25 years old, both of them in Ring of Honor, NJPW, WWE, AEW, whatever promotion, these two men would be some of your they would be your top guys they would be absolutely amazing if they were i mean they are right now the age gap is there these two put on a hell of a show if i always i always say it but if you watch one match this is the match to go back and watch brian danielson and zach saber jr absolutely put on a clinic i don't understand okay i understand how zach saber jr has the the stamina that that he has but I don't understand how Brian Danielson does. Now, it might be, and I said something about Moxley's commentary, and he was on commentary for this as well. It might be all of the tantric sex and crawling around on his hands and knees that Danielson, that's how Danielson has such a high stamina. He was off the rails with commentary. It was it was, it was was great. Um, Brian Danielson ended up getting the win after these two rolled around on the ground for probably 20 minutes. It, it's. I'm surprised they were they were even able to stand where when they were done. But they stood up. Danielson gets the win. They shook hands after a second. Uh, of course, Zack Saber Jr. did the the I'm better than you kind of like snobby roll out of the ring first, and then eventually, yeah, they they shook hands. Great match. I love Zack Saber Jr. I he is the minute I saw him. I, I've only been watching him for about six months now. The first minute, the first time I saw him from his entrance with tmdk to just his persona on the microphone to him winning the the tv title for or njpw television title i'm getting all tongue-tied it's really late you got to give me a break here absolutely love it i hope we see more of zach saber jr and if not i'm just gonna have to tune in more to njpw because the talent is just beyond words getting down to the last couple matches here unfortunately this was one of the matches i wasn't able to to fully watch. I was in and out. I had a couple of things I had to take care of. Chris Jericho and the Golden Lovers took on the Don Callis family, consisting of Kenosuke Takeshita, Will Ospreay, and Sammy Guevara. I saw a handful of spots, but I can't comment on it just because I didn't see enough to really pass judgment on it. Not that we're judging anything here, but if I'm going to give my honest opinion on it, I'm going to have to sit down and watch it. Fortunately, Jamie hasn't watched a single bit of wrestling since being out of town. So she has raw. She, she, oh my God, she's got so much. She has so much wrestling. She has to catch up on. So I'll be able to go back and watch a couple of these matches with her. I'll watch the whole damn pay-per-view again. I don't care. It was a great pay-per-view. Um, but, uh, the Don Callis family was able to cheat their way into getting a win. Uh, I did see the ending of the match. So I'm sure we're not done here. Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, and hopefully Ibushi. We'll see more of, uh, in further AEW programming, I'm sure we're going to see more of Don Callis. By the way, I'm gonna I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bring down the fourth wall here. So if you're one of those ones you don't like seeing, uh, you know what's beyond the fourth wall. There's a picture circulating the internet of uh, who was the cameraman for Don Callis and Takeshita when they were in Japan, telling Kenny Omega that they're in Japan looking for Bushi. And if you find the photo. It's Kenny Omega. He's like stooped down with a phone and it's just, I know it's wrestling and I know it's supposed to be entertainment. And I know a lot of people have an issue with, oh, you're breaking kayfabe. I'm not one of those people that 
if you break kayfabe, you break kayfabe. It's it's entertainment. It's TV. If you have a problem with me saying that Kenny Omega was the cameraman for Don Callis' promo on Kenny Omega, then you're going to have a real big problem knowing that the dad from Malcolm in the Middle ended up dying because he had cancer and he just made a whole bunch of meth. So it's one and the same. Stop getting so mad about it. It's just TV. Like, it's wrestling. It's entertainment. These are entertainers. These people, Don Callis is not scouring Japan going, I'm going to kill this guy just because I don't like you. It's a great picture. It's funny as hell. I was giggling like an idiot when I saw it, and you should too. So the Young Bucks won the number one contenders match for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. And I've already ruined ruined the ending of this match if you haven't figured it out already. Uh, FTR took on Aussie Open for the defense of those title belts. Great seeing some up-and-coming talent or up-and-here talent with Aussie Open taking on some tried-and-true veterans of the industry right now, FTR. As as much as I wanted to see Aussie Open walk away with the gold around their belt or around their waist, I, I understand not doing it. I don't think they're ready for that yet, especially to take it off FTR, especially after the Young Bucks end up winning the number one contenders match. However, I do have to say, I think having... Aussie Open take on the Young Bucks in a championship match on a pay-per-view, like a big, like a big stage pay-per-view and giving them the momentum. I think that would be, well, to take a term out of Simon, the bee's knees. It would make my tum-tum feel all warm and fuzzy. But for real, I don't, I love Aussie Open. I think their, their shtick is great. I think the idea that one's a little bit older than the other one and a little bit bigger. And you've got like your big tank guy and you've got your nimble rogue. You know what I mean? Like you got your guy that's going to stand in front of the chair shot. And then you're the guy that got the guy that's going to slip under the guy that took the chair shot to punch him in the dick. By the way, Matt Bennett, I absolutely love the idea that he's going around telling people you got to punch him in the wiener and then pile drive him. I tattoo that shit on my soul. I think that's great. <laughs> but this was a great match between the two tag teams. Of course, it's FTR. Of course, it's Aussie Open. You knew this was going to be a good match. I think they did right by keeping the titles on FTR as much as I don't want to admit that. So I'm breaking down the fourth wall again, only it's not the fourth wall of wrestling. It's fourth wall of coffee and wrestling. So I guess it's kind of wrestling adjacent. Jamie has been gone for, as of today, she has been gone for seven whole days. One full week. It was the longest I've ever been away from Jamie in the almost 13 years that we've been together. A few days ago was our 11th wedding anniversary. So happy anniversary. I love you so much. Uh, That being said, it's very difficult. At least I'm not one to normally do this. The entire Wrestle Dream pay-per-view I didn't really get that loud watching the entire thing. Even the surprise moments, every one of the finishes, every one of the little moments in between, I didn't really get up off my chair and start yelling and jumping around. I did a little bit. There was a couple moments where I audibly said something out loud, and that's just me. I'm just not an openly verbal person when I'm by myself. When Jamie's here, oh man, we're hooting and hollering. It's it's loud. It, it, we, we, we get rambunctious. 
So the entire time I was just very relaxed. I was watching the pay-per-view. I was eating some food. I was hanging out. I was on on my on Twitter. Remember, follow us at CAW Wrestling Pod. We tweet every time there's wrestling on, at least as much as we can. I was just relaxing there, you know. And then the main event comes on. Christian Cage defending his TNT championship against Darby Allen. And of course I sat up and we have a rule in this house that when the main event is on, phones go we get put down. So I put my phone down. I tweeted out for it. And I said, you know, there we go. Phones down. Because it's always, especially with AEW, and of course WWE is no exception to this rule, but the main event is where the big things happen. When you when like the big things happen and your jaw hits the floor. And this did not, this did not disappoint. And I didn't think it was going to because it's two out of three's ma- fall match. I mean, it's going to be an intense match. It was eleven fifteen, I believe, so it had plenty of time. Usually they go to about midnight, so they had forty five minutes at least that they could have filled with no problem. I'm thinking two out of three falls, you know, it's not uncommon for them to go almost sixty minutes. So I could see how it's okay. Cool, watching it, watching it, and. Darby Allen ends up getting the first one. Cool. Makes sense. You make the good guy, get, get, get the feel goods going. And then, of course, Christian Cage is going to get the next win. And he did. And it was an interesting way. Something that, oh my God, that I think Christian Cage, when he went to throw him initially on the stairs, and yes, if you haven't watched that, those are words that, actually, that are actually describing the things that happened. I think when he initially was supposed to throw him when he was standing on the apron onto the stairs, I think Christian Cage chickened out because he dropped him on to the apron onto the floor instead of onto the stairs. And I think he was supposed to throw him on the stairs, but I think Christian Cage looked at it and said, no, that's too sketchy. He threw him on, threw him onto the floor, jumped down off the apron, picked him back up and then body slammed him again onto the stairs. And it was fairly violent. It was pretty bad. And he picked him up and he did it again. And if it was anybody else, I would have thought he would have dislocated a shoulder, broken ribs, a broken arm. The way that Darby Allen landed on those stairs was impressively brutal. I don't know how he was able to twist his body to where he was able to land on what he landed on. And he sold it so well. He got counted out. They did the whole thing where they brought the stretcher down. They weren't calling off the match, of course. Because now it's 1-1 Christian Cage. and I'm sorry, 1-1 tied. I don't know why I said Christian Cage. And they start stretching him out. And, of course, Christian Cage does the heel thing and jumps on him, does the, fo- the frog splash onto him while he's outside the ring. Drags him back into the ring, and they just start, you know, beating the shit out of him. And then grabs the TNT belt. He's t- The whole time he's torn the, he's torn the ring to absolute shreds. So he's, gonna just, he's trying to kill Darby Allin. Gets the belt. Nick Wayne runs out and grabs the belt. Oh, yay. Nick Wayne's mom is there. Saves the day. You know, hometown hero, Seattle boy, you know, Darby Allen's getting the assist. All feel good. Happy, happy. Yay, yay. When he gets in the ring to help Darby and he turns instead of hitting Christian, blasts Darby with the TNT championship. I lost it. I stood up. I yelled, my daughter came running out of her bedroom thinking something was wrong because I was screaming so loud. I, it, it, congratulations, AEW have swerved me once again. Absolutely took me by surprise. Nick Wayne plows Darby Allen with the, with the TNT championship and then Christian Cage covers him for the win and retains the belt. 
And at this point, I, it, it, I, I was gone. I was just in, in shock, pure and utter shock. I was standing up, walking around, completely in disbelief of what I just saw. They got me so good. Not once did I think that. I don't think the crowd did either. The crowd, oh my God. And then the beatdown began. And as the beatdown began, the, the gears in my head started going. We're not cutting. The pay-per-view's still going. And then out comes Sting. And they're not cutting his music. Sting starts getting beat down. Luchasaurus comes out. And it's just, I start thinking, oh my God, what about Adam Copeland? And God damn it, AEW, they got his music. They got his look. They got the pyro. The only thing we don't have is we don't have Edge and Christian. We have Adam Copeland and Christian Cage. Adam Copeland, Copeland, Adam Copeland is all elite. The rumors, all of the speculation, all of the, well, he might go here, well, he might go there. He is all elite. We have, we have Christian and Edge are in AEW. The Hardys are in AEW. Team 3D were just on Impact 1000. And if I if I understand correctly, Devon might be under, or in Bubba Ray as well, might be under a Legends contract. But I don't know. I don't know 100%. But there is the possibility that you could have three of some of the most influential tag teams in the past 30 years of professional wrestling that you could possibly, there's a possibility that we could have that match again. I don't think it'll have the same magic, but just the idea that you could have a quote unquote tables, 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 ladders, and chairs match in 2023, not under the umbrella of WWE. Never would have thought that that would have been a thing we would have been talking about in 2023. Insane. AEW's Wrestle Dream, it, it, amazing pay-per-view. I, I'm sure it's going to get so much criticism for not being this, not being that, th- whatever. Great pay-per-view. I loved it. It was worth the five hours of watching. I am excited to go back and finish watching the matches that I haven't seen. I'm going to skip WWE this week. So I'm going to get hate from somebody about that. But I'm skipping WWE this week. This is actually this podcast is getting posted three hours from this exact moment. I'm tired. I'm filled with nacho cheese, and I want to go to bed. But thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at CAW Wrestling Pod, where we tweet every Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe if, if we watch Impact, Friday for SmackDown Rampage. Collision this weekend. We have Fast Lane coming up. We might do a predictions episode when Jamie gets home. She gets home Wednesday. So remember, AEW Dynamite's on Tuesday this week. So make sure you tune in on Tuesday, not Wednesday. I'm sure their numbers are going to be all shot to hell. Um, but make sure you follow us at CW Wrestling Pod. Make sure you're following me at Gunk Dudley on Twitter. New episodes of Coffee and Wrestling come out every Monday morning. So start your Monday and start your week right with a fresh pot of Coffee and Wrestling, a wrestling podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you in the next episode. Hey, Jamie will be here next time, so it will be not just me. It will be a lot less 
a lot less, a lot more exciting. Don't tell her I said that.